0: Okay, folks, that's enough of that. <laughs> Good afternoon. We are at the Wealth Creation Show. We're going to be talking about creating opportunities today. Um, I thought about this content, and I thought about the process, and uh, and I put together some information for you, which will actually accelerate your wealth in 2022. We've moved from the 6:30 slot at night now to the 12:30 slot in the afternoon, basically because me doing broadcasts every single night isn't it the greatest thing for my, <laughs> for my uh, mental health, uh, I would say. I tend to be working all the time. So let's go straight into this, guys. Um, let me talk about your first property. This is actually really relevant to this. Let me talk about the first property I've ever had and the lessons I've learned as a result of it. I'll show you this. This is Taylor Street and Methyl. Um Now, most people that know Taylor Street and Methyl will think, oh my God, Taylor Street and Methyl. But I tell you what, this made absolute sense at the time. This was in 1990s, um, the mid-1990s, where I had bought this property, uh, Taylor Street. So here is the schedule itself. uh, And as I said, the lessons learned out of this. So the schedule itself, um, and (laughs) nothing special to write home about. Um, You can see there, that's how schedules were done in those days. Know the video content that we have nowadays You can see my writing there, I've actually costed up a fridge and a freezer. £30 for a fridge, £30 for a freezer, £30 for a bed. Um, You know, total for decoration, stuff like that as well. Um, That's all on there. Uh, And then the presentation. Then we go into the actual scheme one valuation. So, you know, I don't think anybody realised at this point in time that you actually got scheme one valuations. Um, So you never got home reports. Uh, you had a Scheme 1 valuation which was done by a surveyor once you'd agreed a price for the bank to actually uh, set the mortgage on. Now, interestingly enough, I'll tell you about the way the bank financed this in a minute. Um, Here is the schedule for the first tenant I had. Um, So this is £60 per week rent, right here, smart bang in the middle. Now, if you think about it, £60 a week rent at that time, let me just tell you what sixty pound a week is now. Sixty pound a week, um, you're probably about eighty-seven now. So you're twenty-seven divided by sixty. You've literally got a forty-five percent increase in the last twenty-five to thirty years in rent. That's not startling. And for anybody that says rents are going up drastically, I would uh, I would tend to disagree. Uh, with that statement, considering back in the 1990s, this was £60 a week for this property, and now it is roughly about 85 to £87 pound a week. So I wouldn't agree with that at all, that rents are going up drastically and dramatically. Um, that is not the case. So here's my first schedule for my rent, £60 a week. Bear that in mind, because we're going to go over some numbers here. Uh, my first inventory. Wow. So in the nineteen nineties, this is where I did an inventory. We checked everything, and we checked everything off. Then the tenant signed the bottom, and I signed as well with the readings and all the. You can see it had a, a electricity card bill, um, electricity card meter in there because I took all the different readings as you, you press the screen through. So this is everything I used to put into a property when I first began. Uh, now. Rent assessor then came along and he did a pre-rent pre-tenancy determination. So the rent assessor actually did this for us. This was the first one that was done at £60 per week. So the rent assessor had actually said, Yep, I think that's worth £60 a week. Now, interestingly enough, this is the next steps and I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, Let me talk about this and my journey. Um, When I first bought that property, uh, we'll look at some numbers actually. Let's say uh, stop that one and look at some numbers. Let me share the screen for our numbers here. We'll get something up just now. Let's see where that is. Turn on investment. And um, in here. See if I can get that in there. Close that window here. And we have. Just two seconds. I'll get that up. And we'll bring the spreadsheet up for you so you can see the return on investment here. So let's share the screen. let see if we can get this up. Here it is. So, interesting enough, hopefully everybody can see that. Uh, I'll widen that so you can see that on the screen. Interestingly enough, uh, this is my first property. So I bought this property for 15,500 pounds. It was on the market, 15,000 pounds, believe it or not, a one bedroom property. Okay. There was no stamp duty at that time. There was a little deposit, now 25% deposit down. Um, Now at that time you were 5%, but you put 25% deposit down today and the mortgage was round about probably 3% at that time. arrangement fee was round about, I think it was about 500 pounds so you're probably talking about um, four uh, there, five hundred pound. Now sixty pound a week at that time was sixty times fifty-two divided by twelve is two hundred and sixty pound a month. Okay. Now look at these numbers. Um, when you look at when you look at this through, you've got your rent top line rent of three thousand pound. You've got your mortgage every month. Um, is in total. That's in total, by the way, interest only. Now, at the time, I had a capital repayment because that's the way I'd had to go because the buy-to-let mortgage didn't exist at that time. But in today's money, this is how it would have panned out in terms of profits. You'd be sitting at a 47% return on investment. Yep, 47% net return on investment. Oh, I've got legals in there to put in, 500 at that time. So 41% net return on investment. So that's where we were in the early 90s and mid 90s in terms of the amount of money that you would earn for a property and the return you'd earn on a property. Now, fast forward that a bit, um, I actually got a 5% down on this um, and it ended up being a 135% return on investment because 5% deposits were allowed at that time, so that's basically what I put in on this. You Could see how easy it was at that time, um, in terms of buy to let. Now, what I had experienced, um, there was no such thing as a buy to let mortgage, it never existed in the mid 90s. Um, it was only five years later after I'd started that buy to let mortgages first started to appear. How I got that mortgage was actually a term loan with the bank, and the banks still do term loans today. But what they do in term loans is they insist that you pay the capital and the interest at the same time. Uh, some actually have interest-only uh, mortgages at, at, at the beginning uh, for a certain period of time, but then they assist you bring the capital down. They also insist, the banks now, nowadays, they insist that you do uh, a, a, a lower loan-to-value mortgage. Um, so a lower loan-to-value mortgage means you're probably talking about 60% loan-to-value, which means for every 100,000 you invest, um, you've got to put 40,000 down. The bank actually finances 60,000 of that. Um, but the lessons I've learned from this, um, and I'll take you back to this, look at that return and where it is just now. Um, now, at some point in time, I actually remortgaged that, got all the money back out, and it actually became an infinite return from then on. Um, I just earned money from it all the time. Uh, I had a fleeting moment where I thought to myself, I wonder if I should sell this property. Now, when I wondered when I should sell this property, here was the numbers. Um, this, is the, this is the agreement here. So this was an agreement I got written up um, to sell the property. It was 35,000 and that was 10 years later. So basically 10 years later, the property had actually more than doubled in value. Um, so at that point, you would think to yourself, maybe it's time to sell. Maybe it's actually time to, time to do that. I'm glad the most valuable lesson I've ever learned from this is for God's sake, do not sell the property. You are cutting down the tree and chopping down the tree that bears the fruit. That's the reality. Uh, Think about this for a minute. I'll come back to this spreadsheet here and I'll quickly uh, come in here and let you have a look at this again. So there's the return on investment again. I'm earning 3,000 pounds every single month, top line rent. I have had that property for around about 30 years over a 30 year period and it has actually appreciated it's appreciated um two percent it's appreciated actually in these 30 years by round about it's probably it's not gone up drastically it's not gone up a huge amount of money these properties are properties which are great cash cows they earn a lot of money and they are occupied quite a lot and they are easy to fix easy to keep going they're low maintenance as well because you, you basically just decorate carpet Put new kitchen bathroom in now and again, and that's all you really need to do. So, in terms of the capital appreciation over that 30 year period and the profit it was, in, it was made, um, you're talking round about, um, yeah, probably round about a 5% every single year for 30 years. But within that time in the 30 year period, because I didn't sell that property, I have actually made 5,881%. you know, return on investment, 5,881% return on investment. Inflation in that same period for the last 50 years has been 1,500%. So I've outstripped inflation even way beyond that as well in terms of my investment. But as I say, I don't actually have any money in that anymore because it was little or nothing I put in the beginning. And it is actually, I then, what I did was I did a good move I then took that property because I knew the value of it. I then sold it. I then sold it to my limited company at a higher value. I alleviated my capital gains tax position because there was a capital gains allowance on it because it was in my name originally. So I kept the asset. I utilized my capital gains so I don't have a, fit, a deferred gain anymore and actually put it into my limited company. So it is now still continuing to earn money and build wealth more importantly. It's building wealth because in a limited company, you don't need to take the money out. You can leave it in and you're not taxed on it. It's taxed at the corporation tax rate, which is below 20%. Uh, So if you're a higher rate taxpayer and you have a limited company, you get taxed at the lower rate in a limited company shell in terms of that. So that's where a limited company for higher rate payers, we have a big, big advantage. But I always let my my first property I sold, uh, I, I got, to actually invest in was this one. And the thing it taught me the most was do not chop down the tree that bears the fruit. Literally, because that's what's happening. It earns money every single day, come hell or high water. <laughs> and regardless of my ability to perform, regardless of where I am, I could be anywhere else. I could be sleeping in my bed and it still earns money. Could you imagine if you had 50 or 100 or even five of these properties? how much that would make a difference to to you and yourself this is why a lot of people see property investment a little lucrative avenue say so take five of these if i bought five of these which i actually did um then you'd see that you'd see that return on investment going up to eight thousand uh, eight eight thousand five hundred and seventy percent if i bought maybe another another, I've maybe bought 15 of these, that return on investment would go up to 9,000%. If I bought 20 of these, it would go up to 9,000. If I bought 30 of these, um, it would be around about that level as well. So it just shows you where you are in terms of what you can do. Now, a lot of people say, well, that ship sailed. This is a bit opportunity to remember. If you start today, uh, think about the price of a property back in 50 years ago. The price of a property in 1969, okay, 1969 the price of a property was £4,600. In 2019 the price of a property was £216,000. If you start now and in 50 years or 30 years time, what do you think the price of a property is going to be in comparison to what it is now? And how do you think that's going to outstrip inflation? Because property has always outperformed inflation. Plus the fact you're earning money at the same time on top of the property that is outperforming inflation. You have to get the numbers right though. The key here is you have to get the numbers right. You have to understand it. You have to see that. Um, And that's where we help people. So we help people do this all the time, day in, day out. We help them understand the numbers we give them a masterclass. What we do is a private Zoom session. We will tell people a masterclass on exactly how to get the numbers right, how what you should be looking for and how you should be looking for it. And based on your short medium, there is never a short-term investment thing here. It's really not the right thing to do. If you're thinking about short-term investments, don't invest in property. It is medium to long-term. I would say more long-term than anything. It is not a get-rich-quick scheme. People that run out there and say, you can have £1.5 million of property, and I've done it in 12 months. Yeah, you've maybe got one th- £1.5 million worth of property, but you're actually not worth £1.5 million worth of, proper- worth of property. The bank owns it all or somebody else's own it all because you've not put that money in yourself. So your net worth is completely different. It's the people that have been in it the longest have actually got the more net worth of built wealth over time. It will be able to understand that completely. So opportunity is all around us. This is going to take me on to my next thing here. Um, and I and I've talked about this opportunity the biggest opportunity, feel free to comment, feel free to message me as well. More than happy to take questions here. Um, And uh, and if you're with me, stick a wee five in the comments just to see you're with me and you're listening in. Uh, After all, at the end of the day, it's an interactive process here. (laughs) Sometimes I could just be talking to myself. But I know I'm not. I'm talking to you guys because you're listening to the podcast. You're listening to this channel. You're watching it and you're engaging it and you're actually absorbing this information. It's learning as much as you can. This is what I talk about in opportunity. So this is all about creating opportunity today, which is what I did 30 years ago, which allowed me, um, and I'll tell you that now. So the biggest opportunity to, to protect yourself against inflation. What do you think the biggest opportunity to protect yourself and get against inflation without Money. What do you think that biggest opportunity is? Uh, hi guys, how are you? I see fives coming through. Um, thank you for that. Um, so, what do you think the biggest opportunity is to protect yourself against inflation without using any money to do it? It's increasing your skills. No one can take that away from you. So, let me explain. I remember my early twenties when I was at the pub. I bumped into a friend. Well, I was pleased to see them, I did realise that I didn't have enough money to buy a round if they'd asked me. Is that a familiar thing for anybody out there? I was ashamed. I was a grown man in my early 20s. And I had a job and I couldn't even afford a round at that time. Now at that point I actually said to myself, I don't want to live like this. And I promised myself I was going to start my search to finding opportunity and finding someone that could actually help me. So where did that lead me? Well, someone that can teach me and coach me to do much better than myself for my family and my future. That's the reason. So shortly after that, I actually met someone through a friend who was extremely successful. I mean, he was rich. He was easy to talk to. He had a unique philosophy to business and to life itself. I actually remember myself, actually, um, saying, if I could just be around that person and others like him and get him to coach me, I'd be willing to learn anything. I'd love to be like him. Well, it was my good fortune because I was able to get around him. And over the next five years at that time, he coached and developed me into my thinking and set me on the path to massive success. My whole life turned around and I went from homeless, unemployed, no real education to speak to, to speak to, to speak about to becoming a financial director before I was thirty and retiring financially free at 38 year old. So some of the ideas I want to share with you today is what I learned in these first five first five years of experience. I'll never forget that impact it had on my life. Just these few simple concepts actually changed my life forever. So let me share these concepts with you. We live in a world of unprecedented opportunity. This is the first one. We've entered a new digital age where you can communicate with everyone around the world and do business while you effectively sleep. We no longer play the local game. We play the world game. There's worldwide competition. I mean, think about when a job becomes available. Does it go to someone local or does it go to someone else in the world? Maybe the Far East, maybe India or any country like that or China. No, that's where we are right now. So here's a few things you can focus on to increase it. Increase your net worth, increase your value. You've got to have more than one skill. We get paid for bringing value to the marketplace. A product or service, you know, we can bring the marketplace. The value you become pays more than what you actually bring as a result. So you get paid for bringing value to the marketplace and the product or service you, you provide and also in the skills that you learn as a result of what you do. One of the first books I learned from, and this is this is this is the first book I ever bought, The Magic of Thinking Big. It is a classic, and I just thought somebody was an idiot when they gave me this book. I went, I have left school years ago. The last thing I want to do is read another book, but I tell you what, that book thirty years ago blew my mind. It opened my mind. It let me see and understand where I was and where I wanted to be and what I needed to do to get there. That was literally it. That was the first book I ever had. And you can see how long ago that was because it has my old address on it. And plus the fact it has the, the telephone number and it's got 0333. There is no one in the telephone number. And the numbers themselves is actually five digits rather than the six digits in the telephone number which, we, which we, don't, we don't have. We've got six digits now. Um, but that's how long ago that was. That was a long, long time ago. But I still have that book today. And I still have th- bits in that book actually still, you know, highlighted, underlined. Um, The book has actually got so old, it, paper has actually turned to a different colour as a result of, of what I've done. Um, but I've read that book loads and loads of times. And the magic you're thinking big, so it did open my mind to the possibilities. I was completely closed at that time. I had no idea what I was doing, where I was going. I had no direction. And this person taught me and showed me the way as a result. So this is what I'm passing on to you right now. And I thought this would be a great thing to actually talk about opportunity. Right. The next thing we've talked about the first one, you've got to have more than one skill. So the next one here is, you. next is finding good people. A team of people that can really help you achieve what you want to do. Now, for me in the early days, it was finding a really great contractor I could work with all the time. I could phone day, night, weekend, morning, in my bed, anything like that. And this person was available all the time and he would just run out and do the job whenever he could do it. Now, that guy was Mark Taylor. Mark sadly is no longer with us today, And um, but Mark actually was a brilliant at what he did and he was fantastic. He did everything I needed him to do on the time to do it. So it's finding good people in that team. I also tried to find a letting agent which could actually do that. And you could probably see on that previous um, agreement, it was actually the previous owner of five Properties. Now, that didn't work according to plan (laughs) because I had a specific way I wanted things to work systematically. Um, So I ended up building my own system later on, but that's another story. About how to do that. But it was also, it was really about finding good people. So you've got more than one skill you need to learn. That's the more, that's to make you valuable in the marketplace. I always used to say to myself, if, you know, there was throws and things like that in my past about, you know, we're going to possibly going to be redundant. And I never bothered about that because I had a lot of skill and I knew fine, I would just walk to another job quite easily. It'd be easy for me to do that. And regardless of the economy, it doesn't matter what the economy is like. If you've got more than one skill and you're adaptable, you are, you are employable all the time, every single time. I will employ someone right now, even though I've not got a position for them, I will make a position up for them if I know that they can generate more business for me as a result. That's how skillful you have to be and how confident you have to be in what you do. That will really open your opportunities as a result. But it is things like this, it will lift this lid off the jar um, and, and allow you to see the bigger possibilities. Um, I'll talk about the jar okay let's talk about the jar when I talk about lifting the lid off the jar how do you? How do they train the fleas at the circus well what they do is they put the flea in a jar so they only jump so high so this is how they train them they put the flea in the jar they put the lid on the jar so they put the lid over the jar as a result and then the flea jumps up and down bang 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 it keeps banging its head and at some point in time the flea goes wait a minute this is getting sore I'm going to stop jumping so high. that sound familiar? I'm going to stop jumping so high. So the flea jumps and jumps, but learns to just jump so high just to miss the top of the lid as a result because it keeps hitting its head. So it misses it just by a fraction and then jumps back down. So by the time they take the lid off the jar, the flea no longer jumps any higher than the lid, even though the lid's no longer there. And I think, personally, that's how what had happened to me. What had happened to me, that that lid had been put on me from everybody around about me and the social environment I was in, and I had only thought I could only jump so high. Classic example, when you look at a, when you look at a, a job, do you straight look for the salary and think, I'm not worth that much? Because I used to do that years ago. I used to think that's too much. They must be looking for somebody that's a bit more skillful take a punt, you'd be surprised. It's no anything to do with that. It's your attitude, it will determine your aptitude. We'll talk about that later on. So next, finding good people. I would recommend as well, notepad pen. This is brilliant. Always take down, always take loads and loads of notes. I'd sit and take loads and loads of notes with mentors all the time and people that are doing things that are relevant for me because it is, it, is, it is brilliant. Uh, so loads more, loads. so you've got more than one skill. You found good people. The next one is to do is organising. So getting people to work together. If you learn to pay, if you learn this how get people to organise and work together, this will pay you extraordinary amount of money. It is an amazing thing to do. Getting people work together. So that's probably my next one. I'd recommend that you work on. So it's about organising your skills. Again, there's loads and loads of books of people out there are really good at that. Peter Drucker. Um, is really good at that. John C. Maxwell, as well, is a good author. He does a lot of books on leadership. Um, he's good at that as well. Um, the next one after that, I'm organizing, is promotion and recognition. Reward people for their efforts. Remember this phrase: Be so bris- busy praising others that you really don't need to praise yourself. I'll say that again. Be so busy praising others that you really don't need it for yourself. It's not all about you. You've got to take that focus off of you. You've got to take the focus and put it on other people because they these people will help you set yourself free. So that's the next thing I've learned in property investment out the journey. Um, the next one for me is communication. Learning to affect other people with your language by training them and teaching them and inspiring them. So first of all, training them, teaching them, inspiring them. That's all you need to do. If you get really good at that, you'll you'll win every single time. I mean, once I understood this, I started to learn new skills and add value to what I did. So go to work on yourself. And go to work on yourself more than you'd work in your job. Okay? Go to work on yourself more than you'd work in your job. More people spend more time working in their job than they do actually on themselves. If you work on yourself a lot more than you do your job, you will you will you will accelerate as a result and you'll even find you'll accelerate in your job as well as a result. That's no surprise. I went from a trainee accountant. Um, in my early 20s when I started to train. I think it was my mid-20s, actually. I started to be a trainee accountant. And by the time I got to 30, which was about five or six years later, I was a financial director. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. How does that happen? And it's purely for the fact that I went to work on myself more than I actually did for my job as well. I still gave my job hundred, 110%. I gave my job 200%. Exactly what I do right now, all the time, every time. I took my job when I first came in and I actually took the five days that I worked in that job. Balfour's was my first job as a trainee accountant, and I brought it down to two and a half days of work because I computerized and made it more efficient. I was then able to take more work off my my immediate superior, who Sandy Dowitt, who was the financial controller there. And I was able to take a lot of his work and get his experience and what he did because I had more to do and more time to do it. And then I got more over time as well. And then my next job, I did exactly the same thing, made that so efficient, I was able to even take more work from a financial director at that time. And then he gave me more of his work. And yet that wasn't even my position, but I got so much experience doing work for him and directly doing work from a financial director that I accelerated my career as a result because I was getting the knowledge, I was getting the information I needed to do. I didn't once say to myself, I'm not paid to do this. I just thought to myself i'm learning so much about what i'm doing that this will accelerate my career as a result and lo and behold it did financial director before i was 30 years old so that was about six years later now considering i was homeless unemployed and no skill or no education in my early 20s financial director before i was 30 you know there must have been an accelerated path there but i do believe it's down to all this and all the things that i'm telling you here so once I started to learn, as I said, the new skills um, and add value to what I did, uh, I went to work on myself more. If if you work hard in your job, you can earn a living. Remember this. Listen here. Listen right now. This is probably one of the key phrases I always remember, and it sticks with me now. If you work hard in your job, you will earn a fantastic living. If you work hard outside your job, you will make an absolute fortune and create a lifestyle. What you do during your working hours is you're living what you do outside of your working hours creates your lifestyle and you can determine that. So success is not something you really pursue. It's something you actually attract by becoming attractive as a person yourself. I'll say that again, success is not something you pursue. It's what you attract by becoming attractive as a natural result. You attract the people that you are like and successful people gravitate to Successful people, every single time. Here's five fundamentals that we can talk about on how becoming more attractive to others in the marketplace. Okay, personal philosophy. Each person's income is determined by the philosophy, not by the economy. Their thinking. Again, once I understood this, I went to work on myself. Your philosophy, your beliefs, and your guidance. That adds and attracts value from you. Change your mindset. The more we learn, the more we know, and this helps us make better decisions for ourselves. It also helps you see danger and how to avoid it because you're learning more, but it also helps you see opportunity as a result. The game of life is to minimize the dangers, maximize the opportunities. The more we learn from seminars, podcasts, audiobooks, and mentors, It helps us to develop our philosophical guidance, our philosophical guidance system, and it minimizes the dangers and maximizes opportunities. So here's two ways to learn this: personal experience or wisdom. One way to do it right is learn to do it wrong. Could be costly though. Uh, I remember the late great. Jim Rowan See, If you've not seen Jim Rowan, I'll look him up because he is absolutely amazing at what he does. Uh, he was, uh, you know, Jim Rowan ended up uh, um, leading about 500 million. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, to be honest, and we'll talk about Andrew Carnegie in a minute and what he did. Um, they say if you survive your first heart attack, this is what Jim Rowan used to say, if you survive your first heart attack, you'll probably live a lot longer. Wait a minute, why would that be? Well, the doctor tells you one more, and you won't be here. There's the wake-up call. Wait a minute. You get down the gym. You start to exercise. You're away down to the shop. Healthy eating plan. You go out for walks. You take it easier a bit more. You spend more time with the family. You relax a bit more. You immediately start eating better, exercising, and generally being better to yourself overall. So that one heart attack has actually made you live longer. Work that one out. Because you look after yourself as a result. And that's what I mean about, about saying <laughs> one way to do it right is possibly to do it wrong. I mean, it might not work out that way if you keep doing it, but but you, but hopefully you understand that concept. My mentor said, and some of the best advice I actually got, if you change, if you will change, your income will change for you. So if you will change, your income will change as well. Your health will change, your relationships will change, and your future will change. And that's key here. The only thing consistent in this world is change every single time. If you refuse to change or won't change, you will be left behind because everything else changes round about you as a result, and you are playing catch-up from then on. So the key is to see the change before it happens, and possibly change yourself to go in alignment with that when it does happen. There's loads and loads of people that have had successful examples of that. Gary V is probably, Gary Vaynerchuk, is probably the most successful one of that completely. He sees trends, predicts them, and actually adapts and changes to them. And he often changes them before they've actually hit as a result. Here's the next way to learn. Other people's experience. This has got to be the best one for me. The analogy, okay, so here's a classic analogy here. Find out the guy that has messed up everything in his life and then go and learn from him. Call him up. Can I spend the day with you and learn everything that he's messed up on? And take notes and remember, not to do that. That's exactly how I learn most of the time. I I, I follow a lot of other people, see what they're doing. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And I realize that that shouldn't be getting, I shouldn't do that. And I keep away from that. That is the least inexpensive way to learn. The least inexpensive. Learn from somebody that's already been successful, or learn from somebody that's already been unsuccessful, but don't do what they've done. Success leaves clues, and failure leaves clues as well. Next way to learn, as I said, other people's experience. So what does this tell us then? Learn from the people that mess up at all, all their life. You know, that's possibly a nice way to do it. You could learn all the things that go wrong. Here's three ways to learn from people. Learn what you see. So that's one of the most important things. Learn what you see from other people, whether it's successful or whether it's not successful. You learn, take it in adapt and change if you need to if it's relevant remember if it's relevant don't just don't just adapt and change for a thing if it's not relevant to what you do and what you want to do and what you want to achieve listen to the voices of experience people that are successful that have something to share but remember to be a selective listener remember to be a selective listener that is key because even though somebody is deemed, deemed to be successful and they look like they're successful, sometimes it's maybe just a bit of smoke and mirrors. So be selective about who you're learning from, but still begin to learn as a result. Because again, if you're not changing, you're not learning, you're not improving, you're, nothing's happening, you will be stagnant. You either grow or you contract. There's no in between. You don't stay where you are in life. If you look back to where you were and look where you are now, completely different. You've not stayed where you were. And if you've had any influence in that at all, you'll know. But if you've had no influence in that at all, then someone else has made these decisions for you. Someone else has been in control of your life, been in charge of your decisions. They've made these decisions for you, and you've not known about them. This is what I talk about, about the economy. Things that you can't change, but you can actually increase your skill level to make you more make you more attractive to people that want to use your services. So, as I said, the first one is learn from what you see. Next one is learn from the voices of experience. And the other one here is read all the books on your subject. If you want to be the best estate agent in town, hello, read all the books from the best estate agents in town. So one of the books I learned was one of the biggest real estate agents in Canada. And it was a fantastic book. And I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from what to do and what not to do as a result. Other people I learned from as Australian estate agents, some of the most successful in Australia, the most successful in America, the most successful in, the Britain, in Britain. So that's where I learned from as a result to do what I do. I still learn from extremely successful property investors and have as mentors as a result. Uh, I have not arrived, it's just a journey. <laughs> and we'll talk about success in a minute. So read all the books in your subject, all the books that you need to read um, to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Now, my library started when I was 23. That's a lot of years ago, that's 52 years ago. Um, and it was The Magic of Thinking Big, as I said, this one here. Now it's a lot bigger as I've studied the masters in their fields and I, and I I that I wanted to know about. So remember though, if you're smart enough to buy it, you must be smart enough to read it, but you must also finally be smart enough to implement it. There's no use having a book sitting on the shelf gathering dust saying, look at all the wonderful books I've got. Look at my fantastic library. And what have you done about it? Have you read any of them? And have you read any of them? Absolutely, I've read all of them. Fantastic. Have you implemented any of the things that are to make you successful as a result of it? That's the next stage. So it's reading, it's, 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 it's doing, it's, it's buying, reading and implementing. That's the key here. So be smart enough to implement it and implement the right information. Remember, we'll go back to this thing about wisdom and experience. So learning from wisdom and experience. Um that's the, that's the key here. Uh, you know, trial and error is not a thing you should be doing if you can learn from someone else that's done it all before. So we talked about the first one, about the opportunity. We talked about um, the first subject itself um, and the opportunity, the unprecedented opportunity available. The next one in this one, number two, is attitude. We're affected by what we know. I mean, look at it this way. When you're at school, make sure you get the information while you're there. So if you're at school right now, make sure you get the information while you're there. Nothing worse than having to play catch-up later on. So do it now. Don't sit and wait till later on. That's a bit of a longer path. And I can give you that experience. If I'd known now what I knew before, I would have learned a lot more in school and I would have been here quicker. And I probably would have been further on as a result. Being broke isn't great. I've done it. You don't need to try it. I'll tell you, it's no great. But being broken stupid is even worse. Well, unless you're broke, stupid and sick. Oh, and there's broke, stupid, sick and ugly. <laughs> That's possibly the worst. So learn everything quickly and as easy as possible. We're affected by what we feel. Remember, emotion drives motion. Here's a few things about how we'll feel, Uh, affect how we feel. The past successes and failures. Remember, don't live in the past, there's no future in it. Just learn from it and use it as one of your mentors to invest in the future. How do you feel about the future? So we've got this, you know, how do you feel about the future? So we've got the past, we've got the future. How do you feel about the future? We look bad, we look for a bad experience, and forward for inspiration. So we'll always look for a bad experience, but we'll also look forward for inspiration. So learn to set goals as a result of this. And it takes more than, takes more than five minutes. Write it all down, okay? Like, I mean, it takes more than five minutes, so really give it some time, really give it some thought. Think about it like this. It's like building a home. You won't really start building a home until you've actually got everything written down and all the plans in place, will you? So make sure you write down your goals. If you didn't do that, you'd look foolish building a home. You know, you just start, oh, well, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I'm just going to put a brick there. I'm going to put a brick there. Everybody's going, what are you doing? It's like, so why do we do that? And why do we treat our lives like this as well? So put everything on your list, even the smallest things. It's very important how you feel about everybody. Each of us all need us. And all of us need each of us. Each of us need all of us and all of us need each of us. Next one, the third one. How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about yourself becomes your self-esteem. It becomes from, it comes from your self-esteem. Doing the things you know that you should do, that by the end of the day, your self-esteem is so high. So, you know, how do you feel? when you've got something done for the rest of the day and you've ticked off all that list. You know, classic example, put a to-do list you get to tick off all these things that you've done. So you feel great about it, don't it? At the end of the day, and your self-esteem is so high. And that's one of the things that will affect you about how you feel. So I recommend self-esteem, make sure you've got a healthy self-esteem as a result. So we've covered unprecedented opportunity. We've covered attitude. We're gonna cover activity. We're affected by what we do, the work of labour, what we actually do, work, labour. Think about this. Why would a mother put herself through the labour of birth? Well, it produces new life. So the new kind of life comes from labour, work as well. So new life for you comes from labour and work. So that's the same principle. A new career, new opportunities, new marriage, new anything, new friendships. It all takes some kind of labour and some kind of work to do. Labour is so important, so just let us remind ourselves of this formula. Now, this formula has been around for since time began. There was a fantastic book written on this. Whether you believe it or not, there's really good principles in it. Six days of labour and one day day of rest so six days of labor one day of rest that's it don't compromise on that why is that important because if you if you if you take too many rest days you'll no longer be in the zone and then the weeds begin to grow around about you if you're resting so the key here is six days of labor one day of rest don't do the five and two you know that's probably made up just to keep people in track. <laughs> Keep you keep you being a good worker, aunt. Uh, so how does anything get started? Well, somebody saw it in their mind, imagination. Somebody thought it was possible. You had the faith to think that this could be done. And then someone else actually went out and built it as a result, and that's the activity. So things always get started through imagination, faith, and activity. Doing, getting out there and doing it. The fourth one after activity is measure progress. Remember to measure progress when you're, when you're looking for opportunity. You need to know where you are. Imagine, imagine leaving the port in a boat, um, but actually not realizing what destination you're going to. How are you going to get there? You won't. So you need to measure where you're going. You need to measure what you're doing. You need to measure how far you've come. So how i'm doing make sure it's measurable in terms of progress also in a reasonable time i'm going to be a millionaire in six months time because so and so told me well you know that's probably not going to be possible hey it'd be great if you can you know look them up if you are um but you know how many people do you know have actually achieved that you know these people tend to Um, tend to put these things out, tend to actually highlight maybe one person in the 66 million people in the UK actually achieved this in six months. Um, And that's not to say that you won't achieve it, but you would have to have a vehicle to do that as a result. So unless you've got that vehicle, you're never going to achieve that. So it has to be measurable progress and reasonable time. Look at it this way, a day. If you don't act now, it could be gone in a day. So that's a reasonable amount of time, but in a day usually, at now, do it. You need to, you can't procrastinate. Procrastination is the biggest killer of success. Uh, I know I do it quite often. Uh, a week, we're conditioned in our society to work from week to week. Think about that, home to work routine every week. We're conditioned that. why have we got seven days in a week? Why do we have five days of work and we'll have two days for the weekend? How, why do we have this condition about living for the weekend all the time? You know, just go to work, do what you do, live for the weekend, back to work, do what you do, live for the weekend. Is that really what everybody wants to do? I don't want to take part in that. Um, A month, we get paid monthly. So there's all the patterns of behavior that are entrenched in our system, entrenched in our culture. We've got days, we've got weeks, we've got months. So measure on these timelines then, because they're there anyway. So probably that's what I would say is key. doing that. You must measure progress though. Look at your kids. So let's look at it this way. The first four years before school are challenging. We do it though because we see a future for our children. Think about that. The first four years, we do it though with our children because we see a future for them. If you didn't see that future and you didn't have that planned in your mind, you would probably say, what was the point in the first four years? Um, but we're we're we conditioned like that to think of the future and how that will affect. Somehow, for some reason, later on in life, we begin to we begin to we begin to lose that. We begin, that gets knocked out of us as we grow older. Um, often by other people around about us. But I will talk about that. That that comes back to lifestyle. So if you're hitting your targets, if, or if you're not hitting your targets, it's okay to step back, refocus, and go again. The key is to not give up. Look at the baby for the first time. You know, if anybody's got any kids or anybody's had any kids, look at when they first started to walk. You know, the first time they fell down, did you say, ah, oh, just stay down there? It doesn't matter. Didn't get up, didn't start trying anymore because it's no possible. You know, forget it, you rubbish it. But yet we tend to do that in our life later on. We tend to think because we've not achieved it for the first time, we just give up and go. And yet when we're young, we walk and walk and fall 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 to eventually we're going hey this is no bother this is easy stuff now to walk we forget that later on in life we have an expectation that we could do it straight away and that's not the case you should focus back to that time and think if you've got to do it for the first time you have to learn how to do it and you have to get good at it and you have to learn over time to get better at it. that's how that's how olympic athlete. every olympic athlete has once started off somewhere. They've never become an Olympic athlete at the beginning. They've learned how to do it. Finally, the one for me is lifestyle. Learn to live well. The ultimate essence of life isn't a Ferrari. Yep, (laughs) I'm sorry to say it's not. (laughs) It helps. (laughs) It's not a house. It's not a fortune. Guess what the ultimate essence of life is? It's living a good life. It doesn't matter much how much money you'll have or material possessions you'll have. It's learning to be happy on the way. Learning to be happy on the way will lead you to the success and the attraction for the people that should be around about you at this point in your life as a result. If you've got nobody around about you, you may need to check yourself as a result. That's what happens. So learn to have that. Learn to live well. The ultimate essence of life isn't material possessions. You can't take them with you when you go to the grave. You can't do anything else. All you can leave is a legacy in the memories in other people's minds of who you are. And that's where your that's where your legacy lies. So here's a few tips before we finish off for a good life. Productivity number one. You won't be happy if you don't produce. So produce to the max if you possibly can. I'll say that again. You won't be happy if you don't produce. You'd be amazed. Look at the whole thing about, you know, a job. Just to have a job. Just to have purpose. Just to have direction in what you're doing. So this is what I mean about productivity. You won't be happy unless you produce. So produce as much as you can and as maximum as you can. Whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your abilities. Andrew Carnegie, who built a big steel empire in the early 1930s, said, I'm going to spend the first half of my life amassing an absolute fortune. He amassed $400 million in the 1930s. That is billionaire states, probably trillionaire states, to be honest, in today's money. That's Andrew Carnegie. And guess what he did for the latter part of his life? He gave it all away. So, what's got you turned on? What keeps you up all night, fired up? What's got you up, rearing up, rearing up in the morning, rearing to go? Inspired to go the extra mile. What is it that floats your boat? You've got to find that. Once you find that, nothing will stop you. Next one good friends. Now, these are the people that know all about you. And they still like you. <laughs> they lift you up. They don't tear you down. They're priceless. Hold on to these people and cherish them forever. Because these people will help you have a great life and a great life still and be happy. And you're probably like that to someone else as well. Heritage embrace your past it's made you who you are no matter what the things that have happened to you you are where you are today as a result of the things that have happened to you and molded and shaped you you can change that but only you can change that as a result of what you are of who you are and what you do next that's entirely up to you what you do next will determine your future penultimate spirituality Whether you believe or study or practice and teach, it's one of the major parts of a good life. So whatever you believe and study and practice, teach it. It's what you love the most. That's why people now and again go, you know, they work during the day, a a really intensive job, and then they go out at night and they're running a Sunday school class. They're uh, teaching a youth program. They're teaching guitar to, to kids, things like that. You know, They've got something that they do. Their the spirituality leads them to that, their belief system. You follow your beliefs and your patterns of behaviour, and you will always be right in what you're doing. You will always win. You will always be happy as a result. Final one for me is take special care of your inner circle and nourish them, and they will nourish you as a, um, in, in the process. Tell them good stories that can take with them. Now, what do I mean by that? I remember a friend uh, talking about the average lifespan of a person after retirement. He said it was 18 months. This is Dave McEwen. I remember him saying that. It's 18 months my dad retired. Average lifespan, I was told, was 18 months. And it got him into thinking and looking into why that was the case. And it got me into thinking and looking why that was the case. It transpires that often when people retire, they have actually no real thoughts of what to do next. So their mailbox, their mind, so to speak, is effectively empty every single day with nothing to look forward to. So how do you think that'll play on them for the future? And that's what it is. So make sure you take care of your special inner circle. The people that lift you up as you know, and what you're doing every day today, it's effectively make sure you keep them topped up. I also know a friend that actually his dad retired and he phones them every single day from all around the world. And his dad has nothing to do, really. But his dad sits on the phone with all his friends round about him and, and when he's saying he's in uh, he's saying he's in Australia he's going, oh, so you're in Australia, John! <laughs> and shouting it out to you so his friends can hear. But it keeps him rejuvenated um, because he, feel, he feels a worth and he feels a sense of purpose because of what he's done and the legacy he's left. That's why make sure you take care of your special inner circle. So always make sure their mailbox is full and keep them inspired every single day. And that's it, guys. Hopefully, you've, you know, you've enjoyed this session, but these are the key elements, I would say, in, in making sure that you actually create opportunity for yourself. It is unprecedented opportunity. It is attitude It is activity, it is measure your progress and then finally your lifestyle. And until next week's Wealth Creation Show, I'm going to see you. Bye-bye for now. I'll see you next week at 12.30.